trying to think of what to say right now besides Merry Christmas. This is precious. It's precious to be with you today. So I'm going to finish up the series that we began a month ago talking about the prophetic coming of Christ. And this is in the light of this whole season that I feel like the Lord has us in of, of growing and being a prophetic people. In fact, that's the, the next series that we're going to be starting in January. We have this word back earlier in the year that in a sense of, of, of uh, you know, what's the next thing for us? There's some sense of a deeper work of prophetic momentum that's going to bring apostolic initiative. And, <clears throat> you know, those things come to us. Sometimes phrases come in the Spirit when we're in prayer. We don't exactly have it all unpacked. And we're just trying to hear the Lord and obey Him. And this feels like the next step. We just, instead of going, okay, we're just, that was an, an impression we had. We'll just keep cruising on. What's God saying next year? I feel like we're supposed to be digging into this a little bit. So that's a little bit of the motivation behind this last month. And what we've done is seen that there's this whole movement of history that came up to the birth of Christ. Hundreds of years of silence leading up to this big drum roll. And we see the, the, <clears throat> the parents of the forerunner of Jesus being prophetic. The parents of John the Baptist. And John Baptist himself, a prophet, the forerunner of Jesus. And now we see the mother of Jesus of being, as being prophetic. She, is, she has this song. It's a, like a psalm. I don't, you know, I, I don't have the music to it. But uh, I don't know exactly what cadence there was. But she speaks out or sings out, declares this amazing prophecy. So would you like to hear it, my interpretation of it? No, I'm just going to read it, okay? <clears throat> I was, my cl- the closest I got to it was some sort of, a, um, a, you know, Greek 1400 thing. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. But uh, I will not continue in that mode. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So let me pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word, that it's rich and and in this situation, it's vivid. You've, your spirit comes on Mary, and she speaks out an amazing declaration of what you're doing in, in your character. So we ask that you would make this alive in us today, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. So this is Mary's prophetic song. And by uh, prophetic, what I mean is hearing God's voice and then living that out so that the world can see what God's character is. That's what prophetic is. 
and the character quality that we see in Mary's life, that's often talked about, but that specifically that, that she moves into in declaring about God's character is humility. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to back up and just kind of give you a little bit of this story. Who is Mary? That's, uh, uh, I don't think many of you really are wondering that right now. You've kind of got that pretty set in your mind, but I just want to say she's a young girl. The, a lot of people, uh, you know, amazingly say, no, actually, you, you know this. You've been in church a while. She was very young, maybe 14 years old. So I was going to point out Ella Aguilar and say how she's 14 years old, but I'm not going to do that this morning. <clears throat> but the sense of, of being young, I did ask her permission to do that, by the way. <clears throat> but that's... This is amazing. Now, it was culturally appropriate at that point in time. To us now, it seems a little strange, but this is culturally appropriate. And uh, she's just a very young woman. And she's betrothed to Joseph, and she's the cousin of of Elizabeth. She has a a history that we see in another place of her whole lineage. But she has a dramatic encounter with an angel who tells her she's going to give birth to the Messiah. So, pretty overwhelming. And then the angel mentions in this encounter that Elizabeth, her close relative, is also having an unusual pregnancy. So, <clears throat> somewhere uh, right in here, Mary is going, she tags on to that name, Elizabeth. There's someone in this story of this dramatic moment that I can connect with. God has told me this amazing thing that I don't quite know what to do with, but he said, Elizabeth, so that's where I'm going. So the next verse says, and that's where she went. Now, um, we don't have the exact city that she went to in the hill country of Judea, but it was approximately, again, different commentators say, about 80 miles so, she didn't walk across the street. She probably, I don't know what, how fast you can walk, but maybe four days, somewhere in this process, she, she takes off, she goes there, and somewhere between an angel talking to her and showing up at Zechariah and Elizabeth's house, life comes into her being. And <clears throat> so, she shows up, and she greets Elizabeth, and the secret that she's been carrying around in her is all of a sudden talked about by another person. Elizabeth has a word of knowledge, has supernatural information about Mary's life, and says something to her. Tells her, you're pregnant. Boom. She walks in. Hey, Elizabeth. You're pregnant, and the Lord is inside of you. <clears throat> well, this is interesting. <clears throat> little John the Baptist, little tiny John the Baptist, literally kicks into gear at this point in time in his little prophetic life and gives his mama a, a stiff kick in the diaphragm <clears throat> and says, Mama, start talking. And she rolls out 
this amazing message. So this, this you know, um, what kind of affirmation do you need in order to believe what God is saying to you? I'd say the bigger the thing, the more complicated the step of obedience that God is bringing you into, the louder he has to speak. So Mary's getting it as loud as it can possibly be given. Angel visiting you. <clears throat> if an angel visits you, no, it, it's, it's, it's something that's going to be more than just an exciting experience. This is something that involves awesome responsibility. And then his mercy, his kindness, he brings someone else in and tells Mary, you're not alone. This is real. What just happened to you, what was said to you, this is, this is real. <clears throat> this is not your imagination. Now, this whole process uncorks Mary. Just, you know, there's, a, there's an environment of the presence of God. John the Baptist kicking his mother in the diaphragm. Elizabeth's prophesy words of knowledge. And Mary has this word she speaks out. And I'm going to break it down a little bit into three parts. First two parts are pretty simple. Joy. She's happy. She's rejoicing. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So, you know, is this just, woo, I'm happy? But it's, it's also, this song is coming out of her. She is joyful. Maybe it's like, I'm not alone. Or maybe it's another level of an awareness that God has done something. He's doing something beyond my imagination and awesome in my life. And this is what the next point she says. So it's joy, then it's what God has done for her. From now on, again, Mary, this young girl, young woman, says, from now on. And again, this is not out of her figuring this out and calculating something. Some sort of a sovereign grace is flowing over her life. All generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Then she magnifies the character of God. So prophecy's coming out of her. She's just saying, God, you, this is who you are. And as she's speaking, she's not quoting Scripture, but she is an example of a person whose life is soaked with Scripture. If there's a prophetic desire in your life, be soaked with the Word of God. It makes you a magnet for His voice and someone who's able to discern His voice more accurately. So, she's expounding on the character of God, first she says, you're powerful. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. She doesn't go into this, but, you know, I can imagine her thinking about the history of Israel as well as the Psalms. You've, you've divided the Red Sea. You've, done, you've lifted up kings, brought others down. And then we see her expounding on the character of God, specifically valuing humility. That's just, you know, you have to step back and in order to really grasp this, who is the most humble being in the university? In the universe, God Himself. It 
It's a complicated thought. <clears throat> he is all humility. And so you have to break that down. What is humility? Humility is seeing yourself accurately. Not more. See, we, we see pride as just purely arrogance. But you know, you're, you can be depressed. In fact, that's, that's a key part of depression is just thinking bad about yourself. But where's all of the focus? Where's all the energy? Just thinking about yourself. So pride is not just thinking too much of yourself. It's thinking about yourself too much. It's you being the center of things. Whereas God, although he, is, he sees himself accurately, but out of that wholeness, he is able to see everything and everyone else accurately. So, what is this humility? In verse 51, he takes down the proud. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Verse 52, he's brought down rulers from their thrones. In verse 53, he sent the rich away empty. So, he takes down the people who think they, a lot of themselves, and have a lot. And then he honors the humble. This is Mary speaking in verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him, those who fear the Lord, uh, those who love what he loves and hate what he hates. Those are those who are humble. Verse 52, he's lifted up the humble and he's filled the hungry with good things. So, Mary, it's as interesting to me at this moment, Holy Spirit on her. She's singing out this prophetic song. And what is she spending her time talking about? God brings down the proud and he lifts up the humble. This is, this is the character quality that she sees. This is the revelation of God that she's having at this moment of how he values humility. So, God's humble. And he values humility. So what would God do in order to give us a picture of, of humility? He takes a very young woman that is simple and pure, and he honors her with the greatest responsibility on the planet at this time and all time. And <clears throat> Mary does something in, in reflecting humility, I think it's important, again, to see this. It's not just, um, we don't, we're not looking at humility as a person who is shy, a person who is, you know, won't look you in the eye, slightly fearful. So what does humility look like for Mary? <clears throat> she says, all generations will call me blessed. It's humility. It's true. It's accurate. There's a strength that's in this. It's not a passive. It's not a woe is me only. It's like this, this is simplicity and purity as well as honor is an accurate view of who this young woman is. 
The angel told her, you found favor with God. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Then her response, what is the humble response? No, 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 no. No, not me. I think you found the wrong person. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. The picture of humility is the will of God is good for my life. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I am grateful for how you've made me and what your calling and purpose is on my life. So, it's pride to reject what God has given you and is giving you. To reject God's gift and call is to say, I can do this without you, Lord. And to, to recognize how He's made you and to value that. You know, this is what we do. When we gather together and pray over each other and speak into each other's lives, this is what we do in our life groups. This is what we do when, when, uh, when we're walking. It, it happens on a weekly, almost a daily basis. I get with someone and I just say, this is who you are. This is what God's calling you to do. Can't you see it? And other people will gather around and say, yes. We see this in your life. That is building a depth of security and humility that allows you to not think about yourself, but to be at peace and walk out God's will in your life. So why are we called to this same humility? Why would we focus? Why would she magnify this part of God's character? So here's, here's the, the big first simple one, okay? Because he wants us to be like him. He's put a highlight on this because this is what he wants his children to be living out. And it's something... It doesn't take very long for us to realize this is countercultural, right? He's not celebrating bombastic arrogance. He didn't, you know, this is, humility is kind of a complicated thing to find in political leaders. Our society does not reward humility. We vote for arrogance a lot of the time. It's amazing. It's complicated. It's difficult. You have to be a self-promoter in order to win in so many parts of the systems of our world. And he's saying, we're not like that. There is a, there is a graciousness and a kindness. There's this childlikeness. And this is what his character is. So Philippians chapter 2, want to be like Jesus? In the sixth verse, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I think it's, maybe it's the King James, to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is who Jesus was. It was humility. Now, why do we want this humility in our lives? I want to tell you, it's because it brings 
grace. God gives grace to the humble. It was interesting. I was, I was thinking in my mind, like, where is this? I know it's James. It's one of the letters after Hebrews. And I'm looking it up, and I, and I actually found three references to this passage. Yes, it's, it's James chapter 4, 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, in the same way, this is Peter talking, not James, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. I could really preach a whole message right there, but I'm not going to. (laughs) All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And I, but I didn't realize, although I'm sure I've read this passage many times, they're quoting Proverbs, the third chapter. He mocks proud mockers, God himself, but gives grace to the humble. Now, uh, my children don't know this, but every once in a while... I'm imagining, and maybe I say this out loud. It's like, right now I'm going to be talking like I'm talking to my children. You know, if I was thinking, how do I want to communicate right now? What do I want in my life? What do I want in my family? So that's what I'm going to do right now. If I was talking to my children, I would say, This is the character quality that I want to soak all of our family interactions. This is what I want to be rooted out of every dinner table meeting. This is what I want to be rooted in uh, our attitude that you have toward each other, that I have toward you, and you have toward me. I want humility because God gives grace when the humility is there. This character of God. We're, we're talking about this prophetic thing that Mary's lifted out, living out, and that she's prophesied and emphasized. It's humility. Why? Well, how many of you have been in a difficult family moment where you just felt it soaked with pressure and anxiety and thought, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> All, let's all close our eyes. <laughs> and lift our hands. <clears throat> what am I supposed to do at this moment? I'm, I'm supposed to win. I'm supposed to get the upper hand. I'm supposed to be seen and valued. I'm supposed to be respected right now. And I'm not feeling it. God gives grace to the humble. There there may be no one else in the room injecting in grace, but you can inject some grace in. How can I? Lord Jesus, have mercy. We need some grace in this room right now. Wherever you are, and, and that thought is coming, and you're thinking, something needs to get loosened up. We are stuck. 
God gives grace to the humble. And what, is that, what does that humility look like? <clears throat> we see that in Philippians chapter 2. It is not grasping. It's not going for the win. It's, it's certainly not arrogance. I'm better than you. It's not depression. I'm the worst one. No one wants me. It's looking at others, taking that moment and valuing them and not thinking about yourself. It is humbling yourself means saying, I'm sorry. Even if you think 90% of the fault is on their end, look for the 10% and apologize for that. And inject grace into the conversation. Find some place that brings the grace of God. Do you you want the grace of God filling your families? Do you want the grace of God? Do you want this? See, this grace, what is that? God's empowering presence. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just kindness. It is this ability to release the character of God in your life and in the situation. It's his empowering presence. Lord Jesus, give us grace. Give us some grace. We need some grace. So show us how to be humble. Humble is not humiliation. Humble is having enough to be able to look outside of yourself. And to see from their eyes, to see from their situation, and honor and give them value. So many times I'm in a situation, I'm thinking, wow, you know, why, why is this person acting like this? And again and again, the Lord says, because they don't feel valuable. They don't feel significant. They don't feel seen. Therefore, they're acting in a way that kind of pushes you back, makes you want to resist them. Well, God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So how can we inject this in there? <clears throat> no, you need to bless them. You need to rejoice with those who rejoice. So again, Take advantage of my family right now. But this week, we have a bowl game. And I don't know if this ever happened in history. But uh, two of the children here went to Vanderbilt. And three of, three of them down here went to Baylor. Then we have UMass Amherst right in the middle of all that. Who's not playing in a bowl game this year. But guess what? Vanderbilt and Baylor are playing this week. So, rejoice with those who rejoice. (laughs) And mourn with those who mourn. I'm not talking to anybody specifically right now. (laughs) But value... That person, 
that you can, you kind of, you know, a person that, that does not feel valued, you kind of, the enemy wants you to play into that. And you need to resist that and pour in respect, value, love, and honor. Anyone say amen? Or I kind of, anybody want to be humble this Christmas? Not that much, you know. Just give me a little bit of humility this, this Christmas, Jesus. Okay, I, you know, <clears throat> this is the public speaker milk in the crowd moment. Say it louder. I want to be humble. I want grace in my life. I definitely want grace in my family. So, I was talking about this message with Becky this week, and, you know, you get into a message about Mary and going, okay, you know, how, how, how am I emphasizing this in the right way? And, and, and Becky said, in fact, come on up here, Becky. Let's have some worship. Worship team, get up here. And she's saying, no, but... Mark, Mary was pregnant with Jesus. She was special. I mean, all of these, you know, this is, this is unique. This is, I mean, there's no one else like this that has God inside of them. And at that moment, I said, <clears throat> Are you carrying Jesus inside of you? You know, Mary's walking down this road, 80 miles, you know, and she glows in the dark at this moment, you know. <laughs> She's radioactive, just, <laughs> God himself is inside of her. Nobody knows. This powerful secret. Except her cousin gets it. A little help from John Baptist. But how many people in here have Jesus inside of you? Let's stand up. We want to celebrate and honor him this Christmas. And I, I just want you to reflect on that as, we're, as you're singing. <laughs> That Jesus, if you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, if this transaction has happened where you said, Jesus, you are God, you are Lord, you're creator, and I'm not. I am the one who needs forgiveness. I have sinned so many times I don't even know how to count. Forgive me, not just of these individual sins, but just forgive me that I a person that has rebelled against you. I, I assume responsibility for that. And, and I say, forgive me, Lord. So this is a transaction happened. You give you yourself, you give your life to him, and then you receive his life. Come and live inside of me. He says, you'll take out your heart of stone, that, that proud thing, that arrogant thing, that thing that cause resistance to the people around you and he puts in a heart of flesh he, he has given you his life and his character 
So it's not, this is not try harder week. This is receive who God has made you to be. And live and just celebrate that. Jesus, you're in me. We just thank you for this profound thing you've done. So we're gonna we're gonna sing another carol right now and honor Jesus. And as you're doing this, you just be aware of the presence of God.